please take your seats in Jesus' name. We just love you. I've been, I've been doing a, a, a little thoughts about Elisha. And uh, let me read you a little uh, incident in Elisha's life. It's in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 19, for those of you who've got a Bible with you. And, and listen to this story. It's an unusual thing. But I want you to remember that all Pastor Mark wants to do that today is for you to have a little journey in your heart before any other plans. One day, the leaders of the town of Jericho visited Elisha. We have a problem, my lord, they told him. This town is located in pleasant surroundings. This town has a good location. The surroundings are lovely. But as you can see, the water is bad and the land is unproductive. So Elisha said, bring me a new bowl with salt in it. So they brought it to him. And then he went out to the spring that supplied the town with water. And he threw salt in it. And, they said, and then he said, this is what the Lord says. And, and I'm going to make a declaration over you at the end of this service. Something similar to this. That I have purified this water. It will no longer cause death or infertility. And the water has remained pure ever since, just as Elisha said. I wonder how far you're playing your life forward and, and trying to arrange the furniture of your life uh, today. Whether you are a bit depressed about all that you've got to do and achieve uh, this year, or wondering how it's all going to play out. There's a guy sitting on a park bench, uh, quite a di distinguished older gentleman, a bit like myself really, and, uh, and um, as he's sitting there, he's reading his book, and, he, and a nice young guy comes to sit next to him, dressed in a nice suit, he's obviously sharp, he's got the Economist magazine with him, sorting out a bit of his diary, and he thinks, oh man, he looks really good, and he's quite sharp, and the young man turns to him and says to him, uh, could you tell me the time, please? And the older guy says to him, uh, doesn't say anything to him, just ignores him. That kind of irritates the young, sharp guy because he's used to being spoken to because he knows he's a bit sharp. And so he said, uh, would you mind telling me the time, please? Just, didn't, just ignores him again. And, you know, after a while it irritates him. He says, you know what? I, when I sat down, I thought you gave me some pleasant looks as if I was a sharp guy. Why won't you even speak to me? And the, guy, the older guy puts his book down and he says, look, you seem like a really nice guy to me. In fact, you look really sharp. And the fact that you're reading the, you know, the Economist and the things that you're reading, that really impresses me. And I think that if we started talking, I'd get to like you. And then I think that if I got to like you, I would invite you home. And I know that I've got a gorgeous daughter at home who's about the, your age, and you look really sharp and really cute, and I know that you two would get together. And I know that eventually she'd fall in love with you, and you'd get married, and I'd be happy to pay for it. You'd have brilliant kids, you'd have a great career and a great life. But I am not giving my daughter to somebody who won't even put a watch on in the morning. Some of you, are playing your life forward into scenarios that are never going to happen. Some of you are busily arranging the furniture and the surroundings of your life 
and you're concentrating on that. In this passage that we've just read, this city was in a great surroundings. In fact, it was, it was a good situation. I don't know whether you've ever noticed something with me. Have you ever noticed that some people, and I don't want you to be jealous of anybody, have you ever noticed that some people seemingly have everything but they're not happy? Have you ever noticed that, that on Facebook everything's amazing? Like even the food that people eat, it's an amazing meal. It's never just, you know, people don't post beans on toast on the, on the, on the Facebook, do they? You know, if they go out for a day trip, it was an amazing day trip. And everything's hunky-dory and whatever. In fact, I actually agree with that. I, I actually agree that what we should post on Facebook and social media is the positive things that would uplift the community. I mean, I, I actually feel a little bit sad when I see people pouring out their heart on Facebook or complaining and moaning and, and saying deep things about their ministry or things like that. Because what it says to me is, you've got no real friends. You've got no real accountability. You've got no real connections. So keep posting. You know, put your nice food on Facebook. I don't really want to see your beans on toast, actually. But you know, it strikes me today that we really are into arranging the furniture of our lives so that it all kind of fits, and we spend lots of time doing that. And we've mistaken positioning in our situation for right patterns and substance in our situation. We've mistaken the edges of our lives being neat instead of having the real core of our lives in the right place. Verse 19, the leaders said to Elisha, look, our town is well situated, but there were two fatal errors with it. First of all, the water was bad. The life flow wasn't there. It couldn't sustain anything lasting. Have you had an experience in your life where things are just petering out and things are not sustainable? I wonder where the life flow is. I wonder what your spirituality is like today. The second thing about this city was, is that the land was unproductive. It was continual promise of potential and no product. Can I say to you today, you've got to stop promising and start producing. There's got to be something that comes out this year. I want to say to you that positioning is important, particularly our positioning in God, being in right relationship with Him. I, I love it when Paul says, and so somehow being found in Him, I want to know the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, that our citizenship is in heaven. I love the fact that we're positioned in God. And, and that's the right thing to have. If you're not in a right position with God, you can arrange the furniture as much as you like, but eventually there's going to be a gaping gap in your life that you're going to struggle about. Because the center is not sorted. Turn to your neighbor and just say, sort your center. <laughs> Your position and your situation in life is going to have to have some substance to it if you're going to produce something. It's going to have to have some sustainability so others can be blessed. At some point, you're going to have to stop promising potential 
and bring some productivity to your life. Even the first couple, Adam and Eve, were told, go through, be fruitful and be multiplying. Now, actually, the position of this city was important because it was Jericho. And Jericho was the city of conquest, the first conquest. It was a, it was a city of witness. It was the city of, this is what God got. He conquested this city, or made a conquest of this city, and how well they are doing is how well God does. And yet, as the city of first, this barometer, this measure, it wasn't doing so well. It, it, was a, it was a kind of unproductive becoming a wasteland. And it's kind of like all the nations of the earth say, wow, what a great spectacular conquest you made of Jericho, and now look at it now. They can't even drink their own water. So is that what God does? Surely they were better off beforehand. It was a glorious start, but what about now? Almost you can assign the progress of Jericho to the progress of Israel, of how well God had done. It was kind of like a standard. You know, your life's like a Jericho. Your life's like that God came to you, and, and not that he... Did a conquest on you, but you let your walls down and you let him in. And you became positioned in him. You had so much promise. In fact, with the psalmist in verse Psalm 16, you could say this Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure, and the boundary lines for me have fallen in pleasant places. And you had that testimony, but I want to ask you today how's it going? How is it now? Uh, you, you've become a Christian. You, your, your life's a part, been a part of God. But actually, is there much progress? Is there much produce? Is there a life flow? Is it still true that your life's in a good place? Actually, really, in reality. You see, your life as church today is an important witness to this city and to this, to this town. It's not that you have to be uh, picture perfect in every way, but the way that your life goes is a witness to everyone. Your positioning in, in God, like Jericho, it's important, but it can go wrong. Or it cannot be all that it's supposed to be. Your positioning is not everything, you have to have substance to it. Some of you might be saying, Well, I'm a Christian, I'm going to heaven, I've got my ticket to ride. And yet, when we look at your life, it's not quite together, is it? You see, this miracle was very important. It was important because it honoured what God had done in the past and it reversed a decline. And one of the new day things about uh, the Elisha relationship is he always wants to restore that which has been stolen from you or that which has gone out of your life. And so today, what I'm praying for is a, is a small heart journey, but a really important one, where we restore some things. At the start of the year, we put some things back in. The life flow of this city was the root problem. They could have said, 
Oh, the tools are not good. The farming equipment's not good. The land isn't good. But actually, let's say what the problem was. The problem was the water was bad. And what Jesus said to us was, in John chapter 7, he says, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this he meant the Spirit. You can have the right position... But how is your life flow, your water flow, your Holy Spirit flow? You can sort out lots of things in your life, and you should, and you can do well at university, you can do well at college, but how is the Holy Spirit flowing through your life? You see, you can spend a lot of time on positioning and and saying about your environment, But what about the Holy Spirit flowing deep from within? Can I hear an amen from BCC? Because let's let's get to to the core of things. The reason why many of us are not flowing in the Christian life is because the Holy Spirit isn't flowing through us. That actually we're in the right position, we've got pleasant surroundings, we come to a city centre campus, we've got camera, lights, action... Pastor Mark's going to sweat himself to death this morning trying to convince you to love Jesus. But in the end of the day, you've got to give him your heart and let it flow. Amen. And there's another thing about you that's promised in the scripture. Not only should you have a life flow of the Holy Spirit through you, but you can be fruitful. In fact, Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And I appointed you to bear much fruit. And then he said, uh, by the way, fruit that will last. See, this year in 2017, I think we need a life flow. And I think we need fruitfulness. So that we get to the place. And the same thing. And this this is the radical thing about what Jesus says. He said, ask the Father whatever you want to ask him in my name. And I'll do it. Dangerous preaching. Because often that verse, we have to explain why things don't happen. Here's why things don't happen. Often my people don't have a life flow of the Holy Spirit and don't expect fruit in their lives. So I want to say to you today, let's get to the life flow. So how did Elisha come to this and how did he heal this problem and I'm going to speak pictorially today but I hope you'll see the point he did firstly one helpful thing and then secondly he did one indispensable thing the helpful thing that he did first of all and the helpful attitude that will make you open to restore your relationship and get that life flow flowing again and that holy spiritness if that's a word flowing again is that you will have to operate with something new. In fact, Elisha said, bring me a new bowl. Bring me something that's familiar, but it's new. We all know what a bowl is. We're not reinventing something, but we want a new one. 
Jesus warned that there would be the type of thinking that would help us when he said, some of the disciples of the Pharisees and some of the disciples of John come to him and said, why aren't you fasting? And he said, we're not fasting because the bridegroom is with us. And then he says this, no one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one, otherwise they will have torn the new garment and the patch from the new will not match the old. And then he says, and no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wineskin will burst the skins and the wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined also. No, new wine must be poured in new wineskins and no one who drinks the old wants the new for they say the old's better. Do you remember those good old days when everything just flowed? Well, you see, the helpful attitude that Elisha said is he said, can you bring me a new bowl? It was a familiar object, but it was fresh. It was a new wineskin, still a vehicle to contain wine, but a fresh one, something that you haven't done before. And in order to heal a stagnant life flow, sometimes God says, it's familiar, but I want you to be fresh about it. I want it to be new. Are you open for fresh containers? Fresh ways of praying, fresh ways of doing discipleship, fresh ways of doing worship. Perhaps something where you say, you know what, that was a bit different, but I got somewhere with that. It's a helpful attitude. And it will help you. I wonder this year if your schedule, your routine, your attitude, your life, is so wrapped up and so tight that God, even if he wanted to put something new in your life, he's got no room to do that. Last week I talked to you about being open. What about coming to a discipleship group for the first time this year? What about saying, I'm going to give it a go? What about trying to pray in a different way this year? What about saying to God, it's still prayer, but I'm having a go, Lord. I have never raised my hands in worship except the hamster style. Lord, this year, I'm going to make my armpits see the light of day. Lord, I'm opening up to you. I've never clapped in church before because I'm so, so reserved. And what does clapping do? Well, Psalm 47 verse 1 says, Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. It's scriptural. Because when you make noise, you affect the spirit. So shout unto God with a voice of triumph. You've never done it before, but it will release something in you because it'll be new. See, I want a new wine skin. I think I need a new skin. But God, I don't want to be that person that says, I know what I'm doing. Leave me alone. I want to be open this year. And that's a helpful thing. It's a helpful part. And we often say things about the new, like we don't want it to be too new because we don't want it to be contamination. Well, in this case, Elisha was worried if they bought an old bowl, they'd been using it with that water and it was contaminated anyway. So he said, you can't use anything. I want it to be new because I want this new living water not to be contaminated. You see, 
It's not always the case that the new contaminates. Often the old contaminates with familiarity and the new purifies with new trust. So I want to say to you this year, are you locked up, tied up, so that you're not open to anything that God might want you to do? Is your schedule so sorted that God couldn't break into it? I wondered this year whether you could say with me, new wine skin, new wine, whatever you want to do, but just please flow and heal me. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord praise. He's so worthy. Now that's a helpful attitude, but now Elisha does something indispensable. It does something vital that you can't do without. Elisha asks for salt. And I don't know about you, but putting salt in water doesn't usually help. In fact, Elisha putting salt in water is, is completely the wrong thing to do. How many of you have drank salt water? The only time I've drank salt water is because my mother said to me, if you gargle with it, it'll heal your throat. It about killed me. I gagged and cut, it healed my throat, but it about burned my ribcage as well. And so Elisha asked for this salt, which he actually could have made it worse. And what we're looking at here is not some ancient hocus-pocus remedy. This is not what's happening. Salt is often preached about as a preserver or a purifier from many preachers, and that's a good message. But actually, the real significance of salt in the Scripture is that salt was added to every offering that was given. Salt was poured over every handshake that was made. Salt was given as an exchange of payment in covenants. Salt was a currency. When Lot's wife broke the promise of what she was uh, destined to do, she looked back and was turned to a pillar of salt so that God could say, we made an agreement and you didn't keep to it. Salt was a sign of eternal and everlasting covenant. If you look at your Bible scholars, in Numbers 18, verse 19, it is an everlasting covenant of salt for you and your offspring. It says that to the priesthood. And in Leviticus 2.13, it says, season all the grain offerings with salt. Don't leave salt out of the covenant. Anybody get a salary in this house? Do you get a salary Okay, okay, thank you for all being volunteer workers for everything. But the word salary comes from salt money. It's what I give you because of the agreement we have made for you to work. Have you ever heard of the phrase, this is an English phrase, and for those of you from other countries, it may not work for you, but it comes actually from the, New King, uh, from the King James Times, uh, that person's worth is salt. Have you ever heard that? And it means that person is, is worth their word and their covenant that they made and their relationships. What Elisha was saying was this. God, I'm in relationship with you. I'm in covenant with you. We're in trusting relationship together. And I need you to do something right now. And I'm putting my relationship in this. I trust you. That's what Elisha was doing. See, this adds significance when the New Testament says that you're the salt of the earth. 
We've heard that preached so shallowly in the past. It means live as if you're people of the covenant, of the, of in relationship with God. Have you heard it said when it says, Jesus said, have salt amongst yourselves, be in unity. It means be in relationship like as if you belong to God. When the Colossians says, uh, season your conversation with salt, it means talk like you are a Christian, talk like you're in relationship with God. The idea of Elisha giving salt is, is him giving this relationship. And what Elisha is doing here is saying, God, I want you to do something for me, and here's my trust. I'm giving you the sign of what I can bring. Here's my trusting relationship back to you. One of the vital ways that God heals our lives is helping us to remember that we're in relationship with Him. Helping us to remember that we have a covenant with Him. An agreement with Him where He says, I will love you no matter what. I will be faithful to you no matter what. I won't promise you that everything will be a rose garden. But if it was a rose garden, there are some thorns in every rose garden I promise you that I love you no matter what happens to you. Your covenant is, I place you first. That come what may, I place you first. He says, even if you place me second, even if you place me third, I still love you. I will still be faithful to you. I'm not breaking my end of this agreement. But whatever you decide, I am going to be faithful to you. But your side of it is, I place you first. And that's what Elisha's saying. He said, God, I know you can do this. Here's my trust. And I'm prepared for it to flow away and this to be a whole disaster. But I'm placing this to you. To heal our lives, we not only have to remember that, he is in, that we're in him. And that he loves us, he's going to provide for us, he's going to look after us, he's got a direction for us. But also, he is in us. Jesus said, if you believe in me, rivers of living water will flow from you. If you believe, i.e., if you put your trust in me, there will be a life flow in you. And for those of you who are perhaps seeking Today, or, or some of you who are not really churchgoers and you're just kind of checking us out, simply putting your trust in God causes a supernatural life force, a person, to come inside of you to give you strength for this life. And people in this world, uh, people in this room, we've had that to happen to us. And, and it sounds a bit strange, but actually we don't live alone. We have, you know, you might look at us and say, what a nice people. That's because we've got someone with us all the time who's saying, I love you. Thank you for putting me first. I'm going to close in a moment, but I just want you to look for a moment what Elisha did. He took this salt, his trusting relationship, and he went to the spring, the source of the river. He didn't... He didn't just throw it, oh, well, that'll do, and then it flows away. He said, I'm going to the spring because when you heal the source and when you put your trust in the source, everything else is healed. You see, this is my whole point today. Some of you are trying to fix the edges of your life. You're trying to make sure that that's okay, this is okay, and you need to come to the center 
and say, God, do a work there. Doesn't the proverb say to us that above all else, guard your heart. It's the wellspring of life where everything flows from it. You need to re-salt your heart or renew your covenant with God in your heart. And I say there are four key areas that you need to do that. First of all, you need to renew your relationship with God in your disappointments. Come on, be honest with me. Did God do everything you wanted him to do last year? Did you have any disappointment at all? You need to say, despite those disappointments, God, I am saying you're first and best in my life. That's salting your heart. That the comfort of Christ... You can be comforted with the comfort of Christ that you've been received. That God, no matter what, even though that didn't happen, you're first. You see, you can renew your covenant to God with your desires. Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Take delight in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. You've got some desires. Some of you have got a desire for a wife, a husband. You've got desire for a new car. You've got desires for this. You've got desires for your life. But if you first of all say to God, God, no matter all these desires that I have, you're first. And you'll renew your covenant with him and the desires God will look after. He will do it. You need to resort your heart with your dreams. You know, I smile because Elam said, I love being in the Elam church. I love being our Elam family. And our general superintendent is asking us to imagine what God could do. Well, you know, I have been tested uh, in this country. And, and you might not know this, but I'm in the top one percentile for imagination. Walt Disney want me to work for them. But instead, I'm going to work for you. And I've got this imagination mind. But you know what the Bible says in Ephesians 3 verse 20? It says, God can do abundantly more what you even ask or imagine. So Mr. General Superintendent in Elam, you can imagine everything that God could do. I imagine every church overflowing. And I imagine new churches on every street corner. And I imagine... Thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of Muslims and Hindus coming to God. I imagine a great nation of people all over the world coming together to worship God. I imagine that we don't have to have one service, two services, five services, because God's so much at work. I imagine all that, and God says, I can do more. He's got your dreams. He's got your dreams. What's your dream today? He has got your dream. You need to say to him, God, you see all those dreams that Pastor Mark has? You're still first. If not one person became a Christian next year, that would about kill me. But he's still first. Amen? Amen. What's your dream? Some of you got dreams to go in the ministry, dreams to do great things for God. Don't put the gift before the giver. Don't put the ministry before the master. Don't put the dream before the dream giver. You need to bring your dreams and say, you're first. The last area, and hey, why don't we all stand and worship team come, but you know, the last area that God uh, has for us 
is that he says that if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will make your steps straight. You see, you can, first of all, give God your disappointments. You can give God your desires. You can give him your dreams. But today, let's give him our direction. Come on, let's all stand together. I don't know what your direction is in 2017. I want to do so many things this year, but I've had, I almost feel like God has used this story to say, but Mark, whatever direction you have, am I first in your heart? Some of you've got plans to go into new jobs, and bless you, I hope you get it. But if you don't get it, God's still first. Amen? Whatever direction you're seeking, we need to put salt back into the spring, the wellspring of our heart, that covenant relationship that says, God, I know you love me no matter what. I will place you first no matter what. Say that with me, no matter what. You're first. You see, when salt is in your source, the Elisha relationship there's a step change, a sea change. Now, people, some people don't like this type of preaching because they say, Mark, you're over-promising. And I know that some things are a process. But you know what? Church, preach with me for a minute. Do you believe that if you made a strong decision for God, that something could actually really change forever in your life? You see, as Christians, we came to the front of the church and we came to a church and we gave God our sins and we believed He wiped them away. Why is it that afterwards we say, well, I've got to pray, I've got to think about it, I've got to negotiate with God. Why can't we have a step change where we say to God, God, I am giving you my heart back. Change this part of my life forever. You see, that's what Elisha said. Look at verse 21. He said, then he went out to the spring, threw salt in it. This is what the Lord says. I have healed this water. Never again will it cause death and your land to be unproductive. I wonder if there are people in this house who will throw their head back with me and say, never again will I have no fruit this year. Never again will I be unproductive. Never again will I be dry. Because you've said to yourself and you've said to your heart, I put you first, Lord. Amen. You see, this can happen if you put a covenantal, an agreement relationship place in your life. I trust you no matter what. Come on, say that with me. I trust you no matter what. I trust you whether I don't get that job or I trust you whether this sickness is lingering. I trust you no matter what. And you can have the, the flow of the Holy Spirit when you put that in your spring, in your source, in your heart. Why not believe God for a step change today? For a, for a real difference that actually when you walk out these doors there's a difference about you because you've renewed your covenant and, and things are breaking up in your heart again and, and life is flowing again 
hey, I'm going to ask you to make just that. I, I'm not asking you to sign up for kids or this, that, and the other, or, or any other ministry for a moment. What I'm asking you to do is simply renew your heart at the start of this year, and let's see where God takes you. Can I hear an amen? Amen. So if you're ready to do that, what I want you to do, and, and guys, will you clear away the first two rows, Ian and Kathy and Paula and Roy and, and Stephen and Jason, will you just, and, and Ashley there, will you move away the first two rows, and, and would you leave the seat where you're standing right now, and would you all join me at the front of the church, just clear these chairs out, and yeah, just come now, just come and, and let's say, God, I'm walking forward, because I am saying you are first. Who wants to do that? In fact, who wants to be the first to renew that? Just leave the seat where you're standing and come. Come and join me at the front. Now, I don't want this to be a kind of option. So I'm going to ask everybody from this section to come forward and everybody from this section, if you'll come forward and everybody in the middle, if you'll come forward and come right forward. In fact, why don't you start doing that right now, everybody. And over here, if you'll just come forward and you're saying, God, I give you my heart and I'm making you first. And folks in that section, if you'll just come forward, come right forward. You guys in the middle here, come on. And you guys all in the middle, just push your way forward. Step forward a bit, guys, so there's lots of space in the back. Even if you can't get to the whole front of the church, then maybe you could at least move forward a little bit. We're going to sing a great song in a moment. You guys in the middle, come forward. Come on, push out. Just come with us. Come up this end as well. Fill up this side. Come on, David, come round. Here's what I want you to say. But you've got to say it for you. From my heart, I place you first. Now I'm going to let you to do that just on your own for a moment. Just place your hand over your heart and you say it in whatever way you want. You know, it's not wrong to have desires. It's not wrong to have new things. It's not wrong to arrange the furniture of your life. In fact, in the spirit now, there's one or two of you need to bring a bit of order into your life. It wouldn't be wrong for you to have something new. Hey, do you like my new glasses? Uh, I'm liking them. I can hardly see through them, but I'm liking them. It's not wrong to have new things. You know, it's not wrong to have desires. You know, it's just what it, it's whether or not God is first in those desires. You know, the day before... I got married to Kathy. This is my wife here. And uh, the day before I got married to Kathy, I, I just said this prayer. I know it's kind of funny, but I said, Lord, I really, really want to marry Kathy. But if you do want to come back today, that's okay. I'm not sure I fully meant it, but what I was trying to do is say, God, you're first. So I want you to say that just in your own way today and say, God, Instead of trying to arrange everything else in your life, what about 
putting your heart right in relationship with God. And you know what? He poured that salt in the spring and all of that healing flowed down to the city. And that's what will happen in your life. You'll pour that relationship back in and healing will flow to the edges of your life. That broken car and that broken relationship and that broken job, it may not be fixed today, but as you put your heart right, all these things will be added unto you. Put your covenant heart right. Can I hear an amen? amen. Shall we sing together? Let's just worship together as a church and then I'll lead you in some prayers. If you're here as a guest and I've kind of...